0: hello welcome to the wolfpacker podcast i'm justin williams today is wednesday june 8th and we've got a very special episode for you today we're going to talk a little bit of men's basketball breaking news today in terms of an assistant coaching hire of course we're going to get into the nba draft decisions at the uh beginning of june one important player coming back one important player deciding that he is going to move on to the nba we'll get into all that good stuff. Plus. Dave Doran's summer football camps kicked off over the past week here. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, impressions from what happened at those camps. And plus, we're going to talk a little bit of college baseball disappointment with the Wolfpack not making the NCAA tournament. A big potential snub there. Plus, a very important player entering the transfer portal. We will get into all of that. But before we do some housekeeping to take care of. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always watch us on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. And uh, while you're at it, give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment. That helps us out tremendously. Of course, for all of your uh, print news information and recruiting buzz and everything going on in NC State athletics. If you want, if you call yourself an NC State fan, you are a member of the wolfpacker.com part of the on three network. So head over to the wolfpacker.com a special deal going on right now for just a dollar. You get a year's worth of premium subscription to the wolfpacker.com and the on three network that includes all of the latest and greatest recruiting buzz insider information, a lot of the stuff we talk about in the podcast, we're recapping stuff. If you want to know about these things before they happen, if you want to be the most informed Wolfpack fan as part of your tailgate group, you should be a member of the Wolfpacker.com. So head over there right now. Take advantage of that deal. Just a dollar, years worth of premium subscription. It takes you through next summer. So football season, next basketball season, all that good stuff included. Just a dollar. That's a heck of a deal. All right. Let's start this podcast. I'm joined today by Matt Carter, but I'm also joined by not a very special guest, but a new member of the Wolfpacker podcast and a new uh, writer for thewolfpacker.com. His name is Ethan McDowell, newly hired as part of the Wolfpacker staff. And if you want to give him a follow on Twitter, his handle is at Ethan McDowell. And that's just not any Twitter follow. He is a blue check mark Twitter follow. So you better go and make sure that you follow this man. I followed him as soon as he was hired, and he is on top of everything. He's a great Twitter follow, by the way. He's been killing it with the recruiting information. He went to the summer camps this past week. He's firing off the tweets. If you are an NC State fan, you need a hire. You need to follow Ethan. But Ethan uh welcome to the show welcome to the wolfpacker and um i guess to start off how is your first i guess this is your first week week and a half as part of the staff how's it going how are you liking raleigh so far
1: yeah yeah thanks for having me on justin i really appreciate the kind words and everything that means a lot but um yeah, I'm happy to be here. This is my second week. Things have been going great. I'm super thankful to Matt, Ryan, Sue, and everyone for the opportunity to be here. And um we've really hit the ground running with camps going on and everything. We've um been putting out the articles, putting out the scoops. And um Justin, you mentioned the deal online, but it, it doesn't get vetted than the one dollar for a full year and we've been putting out the um information to make that deal well worth it. So make sure you got all the listeners go on um, click that link and subscribe to this podcast and uh, get a subscription
0: already a company man <laughs> plug in the website plug in the special deal that is why he is a rising star in the industry and guys the site just got a whole lot better because Ethan brings a ton of background in terms of recruiting scoops and buzz I mean I think he's been doing this since what, you're in high school, Ethan? I mean, as soon as you follow this guy on Twitter, you read some of his content, you know that he eats, sleeps, and breathes football recruiting. And that is tons of valuable information. The site has just gone up tremendously since adding him. So, seriously, that that special deal, it is just a dollar, but it just got even more valuable now that, uh, that Ethan's part of the staff. Um, Let me well, add. Um, oh, pre- go ahead, Matt.
2: I was just going to add, you know, I, I promise, Ethan, I promise you, you do get a day off in, in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been, yeah, yeah, he texted me last night. He said, uh, I think uh, I'm leaving. I just finished the uh, top five players at camp. Yeah, I think he texted me at like 7.30, 7.45. And I five. I'm like, oh, geez, Ethan, man, working that late. And then, he, uh and he texted me a little lady. said, I just talked to, uh, I, somebody we'll talk about here very shortly. I just talked to Brandon, just, uh, is it Sissy on the phone, Sissy? How do you pronounce it? Do you know, Ethan?
1: I think it's just Sis, but I'm not yeah. completely sure.
2: Yeah, he said, I talked to Brandon, we'll call him Brandon. When I talked to Brandon on the phone, I got an update. Um, I got some information for his scoop. Oh, I promise, Ethan, there will come a time where he will be allowed to take days off. He hasn't had one yet, I don't think, but I promise. Come July, you're gonna get some days. <laughs> you're gonna get some days off.
1: Well it's yeah, been so really I- fun work so far and I'm I'm happy to put in those long hours and I hope the uh content on the website reflects how much fun I've been having over the past week and a half here. Okay.
0: Well you better enjoy those long hours, Ethan. As someone that's been in your shoes, enjoy the summer, my friend, because once football season starts it is uh it's a seven-day-a-week job, but you know what? NC State football this uh, this fall, it's going to be pretty fun to cover. I think there's uh, a lot of excitement in Raleigh as we get closer to college football, and uh, we're going to have more of these podcasts coming up as we get closer to college football season. Obviously, NC State's uh, due for a special year, but we're not going to lead with football. We're going to lead with men's basketball. Got some breaking news today, as I teased at the beginning of this show. Joel Justice, recently hired today, June 8th, as part of the NC State Wolfpack men's basketball coaching staff. He comes from Arizona State. He was an assistant as part of the Sun Devils staff, but also in his background on his resume, he was an assistant at Kentucky, which uh, for all of you college basketball fans out there, you know that recruiting is uh, the name of the game and uh, even now in 2022 the transfer portal is becoming increasingly important well if you were part of the staff at kentucky you gotta know how to recruit and uh, especially in the age of nil you know when 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 you're at kentucky and you're chasing the big dogs at kentucky you probably know a thing or two about what it takes to land some of these blue chip prospects uh, particularly in the age of nil so uh, Matt, I'm going to start with you, and then Ethan will go to you. But Matt, just your, you know, reaction to this hiring and and what has seemed to be a pretty successful off season for Coach Kevin Keats uh, in terms of uh, ramping up his bench.
2: Yeah, it kind of stood out to me about Joel is he's got a background in North Carolina. Um, I, I suspect that played a role in um, him coming. To NC and You know, the guy, he, he went to high school in the state of North Carolina. Um, he coached high school basketball in the state of North Carolina. I think he went to UNC Wilmington. Uh, he did. Or, yeah, so he had the background at UNC Wilmington. So obviously, he, it's a combination of obviously, he's got coaching talent. John Calipari just doesn't hire anybody. Um, clearly, he saw something in, in Joel Justice. And clearly, you know, when. When Joel Justice, you know, went somewhere else, he lands with Bobby Hurley at Arizona State, who's another, you know, not of the caliber of John calipari accomplished, but certainly a a notable head coach in college basketball. Yeah, I wonder if the, the, the allure of moving back to the state of North Carolina played a role in his decision. But, you know, that's a... You get you're getting guys who have a both familiarity with the program and Levi Watkins being an alum and now you got a guy who has a lot of familiarity with the area in Joel Justice. And I think that was important for Kevin Keats to have. So um came out of left field for me. I'll be blunt. Yeah. I was beginning to wonder if they were just gonna promote Steve Snell up from director of basketball operations. In fact, we had a question on the chat as it were. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to promote Steve Snell. And then literally two minutes later, I get a text, Joel Justice. So I was like, well, who's Joel Justice? So I looked him up. and Oh, that must be a new assistant coach. So then I put it on the message board. And then literally 30 seconds later, Ethan's hitting me up on Slack. Joel Justice is going to be the next assistant coach. So if, uh, Jeff Goodman didn't beat me by about five minutes on that, on that information. um but and I know Ethan looked him up, apparently he did a heck of a job winning and recruiting. Disclaimer real quick, obviously recruiting at Kentucky is different than recruiting at other college basketball programs. Certainly they can attract a different level of talent, not to just NC State, I'm talking they, they attract a different level of talent than 99% of college basketball, but he does have a good track record of recruiting at Kentucky.
0: And Ethan, we'll go to you. Uh, I know that you know your first week and a half at the Wolfpacker has been pretty much all football recruiting, and you've been, you know, knee deep in uh, in football summer camps here. But just your reaction to this hiring, and you know, from from the outside now coming into the circle of the NC State beat. You know, just your thoughts on on what Kevin Keats has been able to do this summer in terms of uh, revamping his assistant coaching staff.
1: Yeah, well, obviously, starting with Justice, I mean, after finishing last place in the ACC and just coming in here and looking at the program from a bird's eye point of view, I don't think you can really do better than hiring Justice. It seems like it's going to be a pretty perfect match. Um, Matt, you mentioned how... You know kentucky plays on just a different playing field when it comes to recruiting than nc state but nc state has shown they can pull in some highly rated prospects in the past um they haven't pulled in a five star since i believe 2016 but they've had some committed and um, maybe justice is the step there that gets those kids from committing to actually signing and actually getting on campus and um, one thing i wanted to point out about um justice as well is how the role he's had at Kentucky in developing some of their star guards. Um, I read this on his um, Arizona State bio, but he played a significant role in developing Shea Gilgis Alexander, who obviously is a star in the NBA now. But when he arrived at Kentucky, he wasn't that heralded of a recruit and really developed there and really turned into um, a great player who's now um, playing incredible in the NBA. And um, other guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Tyler Harrow, Keldon Johnson, those are really good players who are now really good NBA players who Justice can now walk in the recruits' living rooms, point to those guys, and say, I worked with them in college. And um, that's invaluable for a staff and just having that experience on the recruiting trail. And then you tie all that back in with the North Carolina roots he has, the North Carolina roots on the rest of the staff. Um It seems like NC state is positioning itself really well for a bounce back year right now.
0: Yeah, really well said Ethan and uh, you bring up a great point in terms of player development, you know, the knee jerk reaction, whenever these hires are made, particularly assistant coaches is okay. What can they contribute recruiting wise, but a big part of their job is what they do behind closed doors at the Dale center uh, developing these guys during the off season and throughout the year in practice, so that they can perform at the highest level when it comes to game time. And it actually gives us a great segue, Ethan, well, well played there, uh, to <laughs> a very talented guard that is coming back to NC State that Justice will be able to hopefully help develop here in his sophomore season. Terquavion Smith, after entering his name in the NBA draft this offseason, uh, was a lot of buzz around this guy on Twitter, uh, throughout the NBA scout circle, I mean, did a really outstanding job at the NBA Combines and some of the workouts that they did. I think, you know, he was one of the top five guys, if not the leader, if if my memory's, uh, you know, fading a little bit here in the three-point shooting contest. We know Terquavion Smith can shoot the ball. We know he's an elite scorer. Obviously, there is some development to be had with, with Smith, but... Kind of surprisingly, at least from my perspective, I mean, you guys might have a different view of this, you know, being boots on the ground there in Raleigh, but it seemed like with all the buzz that was going around Terquavion Smith, I know he was ranked the number 22 prospect in the NBA draft, according to ESPN. Looked like he was a potential first-round guy in this draft. Kind of surprising that he's coming back to NC State for, for a second college season, considering, you know, if he had first-round potential, you know, that that's uh, – that's a bold choice to make that he wanted to come back to college. I saw that, you know, in his, in his statement that he was coming back, he wanted to get another year of the college experience. You know, part of that being his first season was, you know, at least partially impacted by COVID and, and just getting back to a more normal college environment. Maybe he just, he wants to have a normal college year as a college student and see if he can rise his stock even more to become a lottery pick in the upcoming draft next year. But, um, Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, were you surprised that Terquavion Smith decided to come back to NC State? And just how important is it for the Wolfpack program in terms of having a bounce back year and getting a guy like Smith to, to return?
2: In terms of being surprised, yeah, because I've, uh, I cover NC State for a living, and pleasant developments don't t- tend to happen <laughs> very often over the uh, 18 years or so I've been doing this. Um, you know, we, we we reported all along that there was a lot more optimism about Taquavion Smith than, than Darion Sebron, who who did stay in the NBA draft. Different circumstances, as we noted plenty of times, Darion was technically a high, at uh, the age of a, of a college senior. People forget he went to prep school after graduating um, at, and then registered a year at NC State. So by the time he hit the court as a freshman, he had already uh, was a couple of years removed from his high school graduating class. So, you know, from an age standpoint, for personal reason, he was ready to move on. With the Quaverion, I, I felt like he was in a win-win situation. And we had always reported that they kind of viewed it as a 50-50. A lot was going to depend on where he got drafted. But the beauty of NIL, And there are some very good pluses for NIL, one of them being that we might finally get to see these guys stick around college a little bit longer on the basketball side of things. Um, It's a long stretch where it used to be, you had to be a lottery pick when I was a kid. The lottery was kind of the cutoff before you would go pro. And then it became first round pick. And then it became, if I get drafted, then it became, can I just get a contract, Right. And so the bar kept getting lower. Hopefully, we're starting to raise that bar back up to where, look, it makes sense for me to go back to college, cash in on my name, image, and likeness. I'll make more money doing that than being in the G League, which is no fun probably anyway. And and I can improve my stock. When Traquavion went to the NBA Combine and got such high praise, and you see... Draft Express from ESPN really just kinda of following him around. And and see Mock Draft putting him in late first round. I kinda of assumed that was gonna be enough for Tequion. Now there were people who said that he wanted top twenty. He said he wanted top twenty. Maybe I should have taken a medic word a little bit stronger. Um but obviously he meant it. And so he's back and it's huge for NC State when you go. Forget they added Jarquel Joyner, who's the leading scorer at Old Miss at guard. They added DJ Bones, who's the conference player of the year in the post. So they've added two very important pieces to to, to surround to Quaven Smith. They get Casey Morcel back. They uh, you know, you are getting some guys healthy back. And so I think it's safe to say Kevin Keith won the offseason when he needed to win an offseason. He won an offseason. season. Yeah, you know, was it a complete and total, smashing success? Offseason, that might be a little bit too far. That would have been included Darion Seaborn coming back, and Manny Bates not transferring. But he still won the offseason. Uh, and Taquavion Smith coming back probably did. I mean, you're talking about a first-team All-ACC guy. You're talking about a guy who, if he continues to progress, could be a lottery pick. Um, how often has that happened? We had not had that at NC State since T.J. Warren realistically i mean dennis smith was a lottery pick but i'm not sure he was the first team all acc guy um and tj warren didn't have a whole lot around him i think he had Ralston turner and not much else if i recall you know this quavion has a little bit more around him potentially so yeah knock on wood you're healthy that's gonna be everything but you, you like the roster as it Set up. It's intriguing, I would say.
0: Ethan, just from a big picture perspective, you know, seeing a guy like Smith that had all the draft buzz return to NC State. I mean, do you do you agree with Matt in the sense that this is kind of a byproduct of, you know, nil playing its way into college athletics? At least to me, it doesn't seem like you know nil out the window. Terquavion Smith doesn't have an opportunity to legally make money. Uh, If he returned to a second year of college basketball with a first round potential, he's probably gone, but uh, do you think we'll see more of this as uh, you know, NIL continues to advance in in the college game and, and some of these college athletes are able to make some money by not necessarily jumping to the draft as soon as they have any type of draft stock.
1: And that's a great question. And I really hope so, because um, I mean, that was obviously a factor here because if you're a first round pick, and there was rumors he had a promise you're probably going but he didn't because of rumored NIL packages and hopefully that continues and um, I mean I see no way it won't because now when you have those guys who are right on the border of first and second round or were right on the border of second round or undrafted maybe Uh, Deal from an NIL collective um, keeps them going back or makes them more willing to be excited about having one more year of the college experience, like Turquavion Turquavion said, which I sympathize with after um, just finishing up my third year of college, which two and a half of which have been during the pandemic. But um, yeah, obviously, him coming back is massive for the program. I don't think it's an exaggeration to see it could be to say it could be a a huge turning point for the basketball team. I mean, all the energy around the team was pretty much negative for the past six months, six to nine months. So him coming back is huge. Um, He's going to be the guy. We're going to see what he looks like when he just gets handed the reins of a program with a pretty solid group of guys around him. And um, like Matt said, I'm looking forward to see what it looks like on the court.
0: Yeah, and you know, just to add to that, it, what makes it even more surprising is that, you know, it's coming from a guard. Uh, guards typically have a lot higher draft stock in the NBA than big men, and I think as we continue this nil trend, I mean, you saw it with Armando Baycott, you know, a, a, a ACC Player of the Year candidate last year, uh, probably would have gone, you know, I I don't know. At, mo- at best case scenario, late first round, if not, probably would have been a second round flyer type of pick. Obviously a very talented college basketball player, but the future in the NBA is not around the traditional big man. You know, if, if, if you're not uh, one of the best five shot blockers in the world and you're above seven foot, uh, you know, if you're a big man, you're going to have to learn how to how to shoot. Um, you're going to have to be an elite defender. Uh, you know, and and the game is just becoming smaller and smaller, too. I mean, just look at the two teams uh, in the NBA Finals right now. Golden State Warriors, they play small ball. They've, you know, they've got the death lineup. And you got the Boston Celtics, who do have some of that size and elite shot blocking, but when they match up against the Golden State Warriors, they like to go small ball. So, uh, you know, play, like, a, like I think a Luka Garza maybe in, in a couple years ago at Iowa. You know, he He did go to the NBA draft, but... Guys like that, or Drew Timmy going back to Gonzaga, a, a, a great example in terms of Drew Timmy. Probably not a future NBA star. Uh, you know, could he make a roster? Could he be a role player in the future? Maybe, but the value of a of being the big man on campus, a superstar at a player at a place like Gonzaga or UNC or you know even NC State, uh, there, there's value to that and particularly advertising value in terms of nil contracts so it's going to be interesting to see in terms of what type of compensation you know terquavion smith would be able to get next year and, and how that would compare to you know a rookie contract but all things to uh monitor as we move forward into the 21st century of college athletics and the age of nil and last topic on men's basketball matt just wanted to kind of get your thoughts in terms of I, i've got a mock starting lineup here, based on the return of, of Turquavion Smith. <laughs> I do see a noticeable hole in this roster. There's one scholarship spot left. I'm sure Kevin Keats will go try to fill that somewhere in the transfer portal, although it's pretty slim pickings now as we stand here in early June. So you're going to have to just kind of deal with whatever you can get out of the transfer portal. But I got Terquavion Smith, obviously going to be a starter. Jarquel Joyner, starting guard. Casey Morcel as a three-guard three rotation in the starting lineup. Then I got the newcomer, DJ Burns, as a big man. And my biggest question mark is who's going to fill that fifth starting spot. I've got Ernest Ross as a potential guy that could play that four position. He's got the athleticism to run in transition, probably offsets a little bit in terms of Burns being a bigger guy. You're not going to be able to run as transitionary, You know, fast break, high tempo as kevin keats likes to run but he's going to be more of a traditional big man but uh you know do you kind of see the starting lineup shaping up like that and and the gap that i see is is where's where's your six 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 seven wing that you know can play from the perimeter but also can also go get you you know five to eight rebounds a game
2: Quick question um I think they were counting on that being Luis Rodriguez, who was with uh, Levi Watkins at old Miss, but the allure playing closer to his home on the west coast at UNLV won out in the end. It was kind of back and forth between UNLV and entry state. Um, I have it's funny. I have my yellow pad, Joe Giglio style. I got my top, my uh, starting five. And the only difference is, yeah, Jesse.
0: Boom.
2: I had a uh, Jack Clark. I had uh, Ford, the power for the newcomer from LaSalle. And I tell you why I did, because I think Kevin Keats wants to be old. Um, and I have good reason for thinking that, but not old himself. I'm talking about his basketball team. He wants his basketball team to be old. I'm sure he wants to be young forever. Um, but Jock Dalton would be a 6 year super senior type, fifth or sixth year, I can't remember. But he'd be a super senior. Uh, Casey Morseau, senior. DJ Burns, super senior. Jack Clark, registered senior, some of these guys have a couple of years of eligibility left, but you, by doing that, you're surrounding a lottery pick, Quavion Smith, with a bunch of old dudes, relatively speaking, in college basketball. And so you have an old, experienced, accomplished group to varying degrees, with varying degrees of successes and varying degrees of experiences of, of what level of Basketball around a potential lottery first-team All-ACC guy. I think that intrigued uh, Kevin Keats. Add to it that Clark kind of brings some uh, perimeter skills, which is where the game going. I think uh, most guys want four guys facing the basket now. I don't know if Ernest ross quite has that capability yet. These were all. Uh, yeah. So and the, the beauty of it is this team should have some depth. They do have one scholarship left. They did host Cedric uh, Henderson on an official visit. He was the name we first brought up a couple of weeks ago from Campbell. Um, and then it got reported a few days later that he was going to visit entry state. I know he went to Texas Tech this weekend. I know he is at Arizona, I believe, as we speak, or maybe just wrapped up a visit to Arizona. You know, he, he's an older guy who put his name into the draft. I have to wonder if Taquavion Smith coming back makes him wonder how much Opportunity he's going to have to, to score the basketball. Remember, Jar- Jarkel Joyner is a scorer too. Uh, and so I dropped a name in the chat today that I heard. You want to sign up? One buck, sign up. Go read it in the chat. New Maybe, I think it's a new name for most people. Um, but fits that mold of a 6'6 six, six wing. I don't know how serious it is at this point. But um, I'll also add this you don't just because you have a scholarship doesn't mean you have to use it. They have one scholarship left. Look, 12 guys aren't going to play. I mean, you're talking about eight or nine guys are going to play. So just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it. And uh, so we'll see how it plays out.
1: Well, and you, it will be interesting just... to see how that board changes once Justice comes in because he is so connected in North yeah. Carolina and the country recruiting as a whole. So maybe we see an few new names pop up over the next few weeks we'll just have to see
0: and all the more reason to take advantage of that deal dollar <laughs> years worth of premium subscription look at that veteran plug from mac carter it, the, the rookie came in ethan mcdowell came in hot <laughs> with a great plug in his introduction he's introducing himself hey kids hey uh, sign up for my website um, that was that was impressive and the veteran had to come in strong too to match <laughs> that uh rookie enthusiasm Matt you brought up as good of a point as I could come up with the only reason I didn't put Jack Clark in my mock starting five is I had no idea what we're going to get out of this guy (laughs) uh you know his numbers from LaSalle didn't don't really jump off the board to me whereas Jarkel Joyner and a DJ Burns their numbers looked a lot more impressive from places that I'm much more familiar with so you know we're a lot's going to be decided here in the next few months leading up to the basketball season, and of course, NC State will have their non-conference slate to hopefully figure out some of these rotational questions. Um, but I do like your points in terms of just surrounding Turquavion Smith with a lot of seniority. That I, I, that strategy sounds pretty sound to me. We'll see where it goes. All right, let's throw it back to Ethan here because we're going to go to, we're going to transition out of basketball into football. And as we've already talked about, Ethan has been working like a dog uh, out there at these football Dave Doran summer camps, uh, talking to prospects, talking to, you know, what the future of NC State football holds. So, uh, Ethan, just tell us about, you know, I I don't think this is your first rodeo in terms of uh, going to these types of events, but probably your first at NC State. So just your impressions of the last week. Uh, and, and the biggest things that jumped out to you in terms of, uh, you know, the prospects that you liked and, and, and you know, the, the direction of the future of the program based on what you're able to see.
1: Definitely. Well, it was a really fun three days. I mean, there was I was really surprised by just the sheer amount of talent that are there um, between people visiting and the people actually participating. There were a lot of star power on the campus. Um the first guy I'm going to talk about is someone Wolfpack fans are very familiar with, um, Lex Thomas. He's been committed for about a year, and he's he was at all three days of the camp. He threw at two of them, Friday and Sunday. On Friday, he was there um, with Nathan Leacock and Kevin Concepcion, two major NC State targets, and two guys that NC State um, has a decent shot at. And um, Lex Thomas has been working on him pretty hard, trying to get him on um, campus for a visit. I know Matt reported conception is going to be up in a couple weeks so that's exciting but um in passing drills and on -on one-on-ones they showed off a very real connection um i believe thomas and leecock are on the same seven on seven on team so they've um got a lot of reps together but him and conception kind of showed an instant connection they had a couple deep passes that were really nice and um If I was an NC State fan, I'd get really excited about the possibility of having that trio join the class at some point. And um, other than that, on Sunday he came back and um, threw to a couple other major targets, including um, Tamarcus Cooley, who um, he's a Roseville guy he just transferred there. Um, And I'd say he was probably the most impressive player at the camp. He played both both sides of the ball and um, excelled at both. He um, made Lex Thomas's life difficult for a little bit for the first half of camp. And then um, he made it a lot easier during the second half. They connected for a couple deep touchdowns. And um, what I really liked it was how much he was jumping up to the front of the line. He wanted as many reps as possible. He wanted to show off those, that skill set. And after the camp I was talking to him, he was here like 12, 12 hours after getting back from an official visit at Ole Miss. So he got back from a visit, a visit that he said was um really great. By the way, he um really loved um Oxford, but um he was back in Raleigh, made the quick trip from Roseville, and um balled out. And he had a great performance and it was incredibly impressive. And um another guy that I wanted to mention that I bet we'll talk about a little more later is um Brandon Sis, the guy we missed at the top of the show. He um he really showed off and was um one of the best defensive backs we saw all weekend to the point where um the staff offered him a scholarship directly after camp and uh he returned to campus yesterday and went on an unofficial visit and we have some interesting scoops to do with him on the website one dollar for an entire year just gonna say that one more time but um brandon (laughs) was excellent he was a super nice kid very confident in his abilities and um he backed it up. He ran a 4.45, I believe, 40-yard dash. I'm um, showing off incredible speed, and that really just instantly caught the eye of NC State coaches. And then he um, translated that instant, instantly to the field, and so he really stood out. And that's really just scratching the surface. There were a ton of just really awesome players there. Um, Kylan Fox is a huge 2024 tight end target. He has um, 39 offers already we talked to him last week for an article up on the site but um he was doing tight end drills and um I, he was also on an unofficial visit so it's big for nc state to get those guys on campus and um i guess a broader takeaway from the weekend would be even though there's only three commits right now in the 2023 class I think NC State fans should be really excited about how this class can end up, especially looking at all the offensive recruits and guys that are going to be on campus in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'd get really excited. And um, especially 2024, there's some guys we look good with there. And, yeah, it's just a really good weekend, a lot of really good players, and um, a lot of guys that NC State is going to have a legitimate chance with.
0: Well, it sounds like you were able to take away a lot uh, from those camps, Ethan. And uh, well said. I mean, a lot of information there in just a short period of time. But, uh, Ethan, you can't say it enough because, again, we don't bombard our listeners with ads. Uh, You know, this is a free of charge podcast. So the least (laughs) they can do is put up with the plugs. But all that information, if you want that expanded, you want all, all of it down, written down you want to recap what Ethan was able to say there, go to the wolfpacker.com. He's been firing off the articles. Just really great information. Um, so take advantage of that deal. Uh, and Matt, I don't know how much you were out at the football camps. I'm sure you were there at least a few days, if not as much as Ethan. But, I mean, Ethan sounds like he's got a really firm grasp on what happened there. I want to go a little bit more big picture with you. This is a really crucial window for NC State to to take advantage of you know not only what they've done the past two seasons on the field they've they've put together you know two successful campaigns in in 2020 and 2021 but all the off-season buzz going into this year and in what they may or may not be able to do on the field in 2022 just seeing NC State's name up there in the preseason rankings with the preseason buzz you're hearing some of these national media types you know saying is is nc state a legitimate sleeper for the college football playoff all that stuff can only help with recruiting and as we saw back in 2017 when nc state was able to put together another really strong season with you know that roster stacked with now current pack pros you know that was a really important recruiting class for nc state and now you're seeing the fruits of that recruiting class take place on the field now as nc state climbs the ranks up the national ladder but matt uh i mean isn't it super crucial right now i mean now's the time to hit when nc state is uh is is in the national media all the buzz surrounding it uh you know th- this is kind of the the future of the direction of the program right in, in terms of going into the end of this decade
2: yeah i think you hit on a, a, a great point justin i just want to kind of point out why this is a nice window for NC State, and some challenges that maybe they didn't have this time as you would normally expect, but, you know, you always recruit off of, people say, oh, if they have a good season they fall, recruiting will really be great come China Day, and it doesn't work that way. You always recruit off what you did the previous year, so whatever I mean by that is, what you did in 2021 pays off dividends in the 2023 class. The 2022 class that's shining right after that 2021 season, long ago made up their minds. Long ago came up with the perceptions they had right around of your program. It's hard to get in good with with a player just because you had a good year and somebody else didn't. But what it does is it sets you up for the next class. And so NC State has been set up well for this class. I have to remember, they were so handcuffed by scholarship numbers last year. I forget how many of that sign, but I think it was like 12 players. I this think year it was 12. Yeah, this year they can be more aggressive. And so they don't have to be as selective on the scholarship. They can be more aggressive. And I'll be frank, let's be honest. The folks in Chapel Hill who had a hot train in the in-state recruiting, uh the last couple years, that momentum has flowed. What happens when you, when you don't, and I'm not, this isn't trash talk. I'm not trying to do rivalry talk. I'm just trying to be realistic. You had unbelievable expectations over in Chapel Hill. They had a losing record last year. And all of a sudden, it's harder to recruit off of that momentum or lack of. And so that door for a lot of these in state recruits kind of reopened where it was like, man, all that Mac Brown stuff looks a little bit like it was overhyped. You know, and how are they going to be without Sam Howell at quarterback? Meanwhile, entry state, maybe they don't have the hype, but if they were the ones that finished the year rank, they're the ones that could have had a 10-win season if things hadn't gone haywire in San Diego with the Holiday Bowl. So, um, you know, that opens up doors. It was, it was before, uh, let's be honest, that some of these interstate kids were getting caught up in the Mac is back. Hoopla. And they had a really nice first year for a couple years with Mac Brown to build off of that too, to be fair. And so, you've got scholarships available. You're recruiting off a couple good years. Your main rival for in-state recruits is is lost some momentum. There's a lot of opportunities and doors open for you. And by the way, you're about to lose a boatload of guys, probably to the NFL. If not this year, combined with next year, a lot of them could be after this year. So if you recruit, like. Damon Fagan. On three consensus consensus four star. What do you mean by on three consensus? It's the only ranking that combines all four of the rankings equally into one ranking. Um combining them all, he's a four star and I want he's a top three hundred guy, right, Justin. I mean Ethan.
1: I believe so. I yeah. think somewhere in the two hundreds.
2: You I haven't seen him walking around camp, I can see why. That's what it's high school yeah. safety is supposed to be and it's the young man who, uh, Ohio State was believed to be the favorite. Um, I know uh, Florida State, Miami, LSU. I mean, this big-time programs after. there. But he's looking at NC State, and he's thinking they're losing all their safeties after this year. It's a big-time program that has immediate playing time. So add that to the mix. So now you got four things really kind of going for you on the recruiting trail. Now, that that factor is we talked about a lot of pluses of NIL. The reality is NIL NILs also introduced pay for play, call it for what it is. And you hear what Ryan Day at Ohio State talks about what he's going to need to put a successful class. You know what Texas A&M did. Sorry, Jimbo Fisher. We all know what you did. You know what Nick Saban thinks about what (laughs) Jimbo Fisher did. And so that may complicate things. NC State is not gonna be as well positioned in the NIL as big time pro pl- program. So whereas before you may be able to really hang in there, particularly particularly with big name Interstate guys, that adds a layer of challenge. I'm not saying interstate can't overcome it by any stretch. It may be I mean, the shelf or State may be enough, but it does add a layer of a challenge that was not there before where you're going to the na- to the You know, Daylon Smothers at Charlotte, you know, just took an official visit to Oklahoma. I know Florida State is on him pretty good. He's going to take an official visit to NC State. But don't think that Oklahoma and Florida State aren't talking about NIL opportunities with him. Noah Wise is taking an official visit to Ohio State, I believe, on June 17th. Don't think that they haven't talked about NIL opportunities at Ohio State, with. In the past, that may not have been as a concern that you're recruiting against if you're in NC State. So that's the one challenge. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just saying it's a challenge in the reality of the NIL. But a lot of other pieces come together real well. There is a the transfer portal, by the way. So don't be surprised if NC State holds off some scholarships because it's kind of the bridge, the gap between the next wave and the current wave to prevent the drop-off that they had, like in 2019 when it all went so bad, mainly because of injury, but also because they were really young. So now you might be appealing to a half dozen college, uh transfers to kind of fill in those gaps so you don't fall off as much too.
0: Well, it, it sounds like a complete 180 in terms of just the environment of the you know the the up and coming in-state recruiting classes i can remember back in 2020 in the pandemic year my first year at the wolf packer i'm out there at cardinal gibbons covering you know the, the upcoming class with matt carter uh it was my one of my first assignments talking to all these recruits
2: you talked to all of them
0: that day too talk to all of them all of them uh, yeah they were lining up i was i was even talking to the ones that uh we're not going to get any offers unfortunately uh yeah it was uh it was it was a form of rookie hazing i i suppose yeah but you could just see it i'd bring up nc state and some of these bigger name guys would be like nc state nah man I'm, i'm trying to go to carolina like that unc was the top dog at the time and it sounds like that's flipped based on what we've seen on the field over the past couple years and um you know, as a proud NC State alum, that's music to my ears. And uh, it makes what happens on the field this fall even more important because, look, if NC State doesn't meet these high expectations this fall, it could easily flip right back. But if it does, then it could be, you know, a, a solidifying of what the culture currently is in state. And uh, last point on the NIL thing, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more with our baseball talk here as we wrap up this podcast. Um I don't have as pessimistic. It's certainly something to monitor, especially when you're competing with the Ohio States and the Oklahomas and the Florida States of the world. But I will say it's not like this brand new thing. Money has has always been a part of the equation. The only difference is the head coach can wrap their arm around you and talk about NIL during the official visit, as opposed to 10 years ago when the donor pulls up in their Ferrari and says, hey, come over here. Let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you about uh, the bag of money you might get if uh, you end up coming to uh, to Oklahoma or Ohio State. You know that the difference being it's all out in the open now. So now it's fair game, and and we'll see how NC State's able to compete in that world. But that's going to give me my transition to baseball, where we're going to talk about Tommy Tanks White entering the transfer portal. I don't want to dwell too much on NC State being snubbed of, of the NCAA tournament. That's kind of old. Old news at this point. Uh, old news for NC State fans. Look, it's just another chapter in the book that's going to be published one one day called NC State: A History of NC State. You know what stuff? Fill <laughs> in the blank. <laughs> Tommy White, unfortunately, entering the transfer portal. Obviously, a fan favorite this past year after breaking the NCAA record for home runs by a freshman in college baseball. And the initial knee-jerk reaction is, "Oh my God." this is nil see see this is this is everything wrong with college sports he's just going to get a bag of money somewhere else and and isn't that a shame well you know what as we peel back the layers a little bit and everybody takes a deep breath it seems like we're coming to more of an understanding as uh you know maybe it wasn't money motivated maybe he wants to play closer to home maybe there's you know, baseball related things involved where maybe he wants to play out in the field a little bit more. And he was more of a designated hitter at NC state. And, you know, just looking at the future of the roster where he kind of plays into that. Uh, it's not the end of the world that a player decides to play somewhere else. And in my opinion, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh. It's not this, it's not all bad. It's not all good. It's somewhere in the middle, Matt, I want to go to you first and Ethan, I want to go to you second. I want to get both of your takes on A, Tommy White leaving, and B, you know, just the impacts of the transfer portal, just your thoughts on the modern climate of the transfer portal be you know, these college athletes are just much more likely to transfer than they were five, ten years ago due to rule changes. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it somewhere in between for the college game? I'll start with you, Matt.
2: Well, I, I know we're not going to talk about the snub too much, but I will tell you real quickly, I think this is probably the most legitimate gripe NC State has had about some stuff, you know, the women's basketball being in one seed, having to play Connecticut, the two seed. We all knew that somebody was going to get screwed in that deal. It just, that was more incredibly unlucky NC State being in that position where they were, right? They were the natural team to go to Connecticut based on how it played out. And they just got the unfair draw. What happened in Omaha, I'm not going to rehash. NC State deserves some of that blame. The NCAA didn't handle it very well either. Um, I think if you took NC State's name off and put Mississippi State's name on it, it would have been the same outcome and the same level of disappointment on Mississippi State's side. Yeah, whomever that happened to was going to be incredibly... Disappointed and probably upset with how things went down and how the, and so, shocker, the NCAA doesn't handle everything very well. Um, and so I'm sure there's some other gripes in there in the last year. I can't remember. You know, the bowl game was all UCLA, by the way. That wasn't NCAA. But that's one they have some gripes about. And you peel back the onions a little bit and you do wonder if there wasn't some um, non baseball reasons involved for leaving NC State out of the field but ethan got introduced to nc state stuff on day one of the job because we were in the office together memorial day i was annoying the heck out of him i'm sure by having the volume up on the selection show he's trying to get work done over there and uh i remember thinking oh well they're going to get put in the oregon state reason that's the last one so they're going to oregon state kind of weird to be traveling to oregon state and then vanderbilt popped up at the last that large I looked up the bracket online. I was like, did I miss it? And then quickly ESPN started talking about NC State being the team out. And yeah, I said, they didn't make it. And I remember Ethan going, what? Um, so crazy. As for Tommy White, yes. I, I think you've hit it on the nail. I think there, we've been hearing for a while that he wanted to be in the field. He was disappointed about being a designated hitter. I can tell you we reported it on in the premium. That, uh, you know, he turned down NIL, NIL opportunities at NC State. He wasn't motivated financially to cash in on Tommy Tank. He could have been drafted. I mean, if he didn't set a very high demand for a signing bonus coming out of high school, he would have been drafted fairly high and gotten a decent amount of money. Uh, I think he made a very early decision to come to NC State, thinking that he probably was going to be using NC State as leverage to go for the draft. Uh, the money he wanted in the draft wasn't there, so he decided to follow through on entry state. In hindsight, probably could have taken a little more time to decide which college he was going to go to. Realized that he would have preferred to stay closer to his home uh, in the, um, St. Pete, Tampa kind of area of of Florida. It's no secret where everybody thinks he's going to end up. That's Florida State. Certainly much closer to his home. Um... So, as for the transfer portal, look, I, yeah, you have to balance it. I think David Hale explains it the best. You have to give these student athletes their rights. Yeah. But you also have to remember there are fans that are the lifeblood for all of sports. And if you make it unfun for the fans, you just have to be careful about that. Fans don't care about coaches coming and going. They care about the product on the team coming and going. And if they start to lose the relatability of the sport and the ability to relate to the athletes that they're supposed to be pulling for over three to four years, it can have a detrimental effect. So how do you balance that between the, the right of the athlete to do what every other student can do, which is transfer if they want to? Yeah. I couldn't have transferred. Justin, I don't know about you. Obviously, Ethan's smart enough to be able to transfer to wherever he wanted to go because He's graduating in like three and a half years. But uh, I, I kind of, where I think of it, maybe we need to set like a minimum GPA. Say, if, if you're going to be like a normal student, I couldn't have transferred to Harvard. My grades aren't good enough to go to Harvard, right? So let's meet some kind of minimum threshold, not like a, 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 a crazy one. I'm not, These athletes have un, unbelievable demands on their time. But that makes it more normal. If you do your work and you meet the minimum standards, you are rewarded with an opportunity to transfer to whatever school you want without punishment or punishment or sit-out year, whatever you want to call it. Um, If you don't do your work, then, no, you can't do it. You would have to sit out a year because no other student could just walk up with a 1.1 GPA and transfer, if, if you know what I mean. So that's kind of my feeling of a compromise for it all. Um, I don't know if that helps or hurts. But look, it's not fun to be a Pittsburgh fan when you got the best receiver in the country. And he says he's not going to go to the NFL draft. And he thinks you got this great receiver. And then on the day before the transfer portal closes, he hops in. And we all know it was an NIL-motivated play. And he ends up going exactly where everybody said the NIL money was coming from in Southern Cal life of the Pittsburgh fan doesn't get as fun anymore when you're worried about. Oh, great! We got a great player. He's gonna leave at the end of the year. We're gonna go in the portal. and are gonna leave and he's gonna leave us hanging. So how? That's where I struggle. You know, how can you make the fan experience still great and be right by the by the players? Uh, the coach's job is hard. I get that. I sympathize with them a little bit for that. It's no fair for Jim Laranega to do everything right with Isaiah Juan and to get held hostage because the booster paid somebody else some money to come join them, and then he wants that same money. I mean, Laranega did nothing wrong there, right? But, Dresden brought up a good point to me once. We've debated this. Laranega gets paid a crap load of money to figure it out. So, um, I feel less sorry for them. I do sympathize with them, but I less sorry for them. I mainly worry about the fan experience of let's try not to be too detrimental to the fan experience because they are truthful. Look, Without fans, you don't have the sport. It's the bottom line.
0: So. Ethan, I think Matt did a great job of touching on the NC State baseball specific items and Tommy Tanks. I've got thoughts on what he said, but I want to go to you. <laughs> Just your your impression uh and and you're a younger guy. I think there's also a generational divide here in terms of this conversation. Older generations are used to what the college model used to be. We're coming up at a time where this is a transitory, you know, renaissance in uh in, in college sports. Just your thoughts on the impacts of of the transfer portal being uh, you know, this new shiny toy. Do you think it's a trend or do you think it's something that we're going to see more of in, in years to come. And, and is it a good or bad thing?
1: Um, I don't know if you can really paint it as a objectively good or bad thing. Um, one thing I did want to touch on with Tommy White, which after thinking about it for about a week is where I landed on it is where Tommy White is like is at in his career is completely different different than a year ago in terms of his celebrity, in terms of the platform he has, and um, just the caliber of baseball player he knows he is. So coming to NC State and then having that experience and then pretty much everything changing in his life probably, I can understand why maybe you want to go back home and be closer to home and prepare yourself for the MLB. But as the transfer portal as a whole, I think – we will see it slow down a little bit, just because one thing that you will see right now is a lot of guys go in there and they're either moving down multiple levels or they're not finding a place at all. So I think once it becomes clear that the grass isn't always greener when you enter the portal, I think we'll see it calm down a little bit. But as far as the best players transferring to um, the best schools, that's gonna continue. Like Matt said, it's all about balancing that with um, the fan experience. But I don't think you can really um, tie a player to a school. I think they should be able to go wherever they want. It's just like if you commit to ECU as a freshman in high school and then NC State offers your junior year. Um, Not a huge indictment on ECU, (laughs) but you're probably going to NC State if you get that offer. And that's totally fine. I don't think it should change drastically from um, going to college and I'd argue that it does make the fan experience in some ways better because now there is year-round intrigue um it probably shows up in our website traffic um when Tommy tanks transferred um fans weren't happy about it but they wanted to talk about it and it keeps that conversation around college sports going year-round and I think it could be surprising how much of a good thing it is for college sports in the long run because then you do have situations with um Turquavion where he also could have come back, and he probably could have transferred just about anywhere in the country, but um, he chose not to. He's back at NC State with um, the NIL deal, so packaging NIL, the transfer portal, I think in the long run it's going to be a good thing. It's definitely a good thing right now for um, the Athletes and um, I don't really have that much sympathy for um, the coaches. I, I have faith that they'll be able to figure it out, and um, these schools have enough money where they can figure it out. And um, I think it's all about just giving the athletes the opportunity to be in the best place for them to be su- successful. Um, I mean, if I I go to school up in Boston, if I had gone to Boston and realized um, I hate the cold. And, um, but I had to sit out a year and I couldn't join the Wolfpacker for another year if I wanted to transfer to a, a different school to get my degree, that would have been tough. And that's an unfair situation for anyone to be in. So I'm glad players are able to move where they think is going to be the best fit for them. And um, I think as we get further along into this process, um, there will be a better understanding of how it works. And um, it'll make much more sense to fans, coaches, athletes, just across the board.
0: Yeah, really well said. Both of you brought up really great points. And uh, and I'm with both of you in the sense that there's got to be this balance between fairness to the athletes and the fan experience. And right now in the NIL model, where the only compensation that athletes are entitled to is what they're able to get on the free market based on their name, image, and likeness that when you have an open transfer system, basically every athlete in college right now is a free agent going on a year-to-year basis. And really, I think the question fans should ask themselves if they're really angry about the state of college athletics right now and they don't like the trans, you know, the transition of their favorite players going somewhere else or they don't like other players coming in, they don't like learning these new rosters year in, year out, this is what it's going to be. If this is okay with you, great. If it's something that you don't like, well, how do professional sports organizations keep players in one spot for periods of time longer than a season? They sign contracts. They sign multi-year contracts. So if you want to suggest something that is going to ethically keep players in one spot throughout the entirety of their college career, well, you're probably gonna have to start paying them like employees. And that's another that's another conversation for a different day, but that might be where we're heading. If we if we get tired of the transfer portal, you know, every half you know, half the athletes in college sports going somewhere else after a year, they have every right to do that right now because they're not getting paid by the schools. You know, their their labor is free. They're college students. They should be able to transfer here, there, wherever. And fans just have to put up with it because, you know, I got no time for the man babies on Twitter. If you want, a bad mouth, if you want to bad mouth a kid about transferring, then, you know, can consider – take a look in the mirror, okay? That's all I got to say about that. But if you want a commitment, you want to keep somebody in a spot for many years, well, you might have to start signing contracts, school to player. But – we're gonna end it on that. I think we've talked long enough about a bunch of different things. It's been a really good conversation, Ethan. Great job on your first podcast with the Wolfpacker. I'm sure the Wolfpacker Nation will be uh, loving this and more to come from Ethan. If you want to give him a follow, by the way, again it's at Ethan McDowell on Twitter. Follow us while you're at it. The main account at the Wolfpacker, and if you want to give me a follow, it's at Justin H Will on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on the Wolfpacker.com. Hey, one last thing.
2: Okay. So if you want to leave a comment, help my man Ethan find a place to get a haircut. So if you have any good haircut suggestions <laughs> in the Raleigh-Durham area, I'm not saying he needs one, but I'm just saying, throwing it out there.
1: You're going to need I one. I do need barbershop recommendations. Yes, please. Okay.
0: Wow. Okay. I Well, Ethan, I'll give you one after the podcast because we're not giving out any Perfect. free free- free advertisement if they (laughs) they want to pay me to give you a suggestion they're going to have to pay the pod um but matt carter false start on your part i was about to get to the youtube subscription but we'll go there first subscribe to our youtube channel the wolfbacker youtube channel give this video a thumbs up and like matt said drop a comment you want to you want to have a comment idea suggest where ethan can go get a haircut in the raleigh durham chapel hill area i think you're living in raleigh right ethan
1: Yep, downtown Raleigh.
0: Okay, right on. Okay, so maybe somewhere closer to downtown Raleigh. Um, and lastly, we've said it a million times on this podcast, but one last time to wrap it up, head over to Wolfpacker.com, take advantage of that deal. A lot of things we covered, you want to know it before we talk about it on the podcast, take advantage of the deal. Just a dollar for a year's worth of premium subscription on wolfpacker.com, part of the On3 network. And so for Ethan McDowell, Carter. I'm Justin Williams and this has been the Wolfpacker podcast.